do you want to obsess or do you not? Mm-hmm. Like, I, yep. I don't understand what yep. the, I don't understand what the question is. Like, yep. does Instagram cause you to stumble? It's not legalism. Mm-hmm. It's called like I'm a fight for my soul. Welcome to the green room, a space where leaders from the Austin Stone invite college students to have vulnerable conversations about relevant topics. What's up, guys? I'm MJ, and in today's episode, Tyler and I sat down with our friend and partner of the Austin Stone, Jamie Ivey. Not only is Jamie a phenomenal teacher, in 2014, she launched the Happy Hour podcast, and since then, she's authored two books, If You Only Knew and You Be You. Jamie is also launching the Jamie Ivey Show on YouTube in January 2021, and you definitely should check it out. And there were points in the conversation where I was leaning in and leaning back just because of all the wisdom that God was giving us through Jamie and Tyler. And you guys are just in for a treat. In part two, we'll talk about how the culture influences how we think about relationships, dating boundaries. And we ask the question if men and women can truly be friends. So we hope that you feel related to and encouraged. Enjoy. I think that this has kind of left a path of destruction, just idolizing or demonizing marriage and romantic relationships made it really hard for men and women to figure out how to be friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is something that I see all the time. The The guys that I have the privilege of leading and discipling always ask, is it okay if I go and hang out with this group of guys and girls? Or is it okay if me and this one girl go play racquetball or something like that? And I, I think of all of the different times in college when, when I would bring this up. Some of my friends were really conservative about it. Like, no, what's your intention? Are you thinking that this person is wife material or something like that? And I'm like, okay, that's probably a little too serious. We're just like, friends. I, I never <laughs> hung out with her. So yeah, I <laughs> yeah. And then I would have some friends be like, yeah, do whatever. Yeah. Be thoughtless about yeah. it. So being too thoughtful or being thoughtless about it has kind of put men and I'm sure women in a place where it's like, how do I mm-hmm. know how to be friends with the opposite sex? Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, man, what are your thoughts on like men and women being friends? I say yes, and here's why I say yes. Because if we have a kingdom view, mm. and I think that we we lose a lot when we don't view things through kingdom lenses. And if we have a kingdom view, every single person that's in this room right now, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we're going to have a relationship that is family-driven, that mm-hmm. is brothers and sisters in the kingdom. And so— I think when we change the lens of how we view people, which, again, this is a deep conversation of how do we treat each other, and it takes a mutual admiration of each other to see things through a kingdom lens. Mm -hmm. But when we think, how would I treat this person as my sister? How would I treat Mm -hmm. this person as my brother? Now, on the same sentiment of that, I think there are lots of guardrails you should have up. Mm -hmm. Like, you're a dude and you have a best friend that's a girl. That's awesome. That's amazing. I wouldn't say you should drink a lot together. I wouldn't say you should hang out in her house when there are no parents there and you're kind of thinking, oh, I kind of have some feelings for her. Mm -hmm. So use your brain about these things. Be smart about these. If you're starting to feel something for this girl, first of all, you need to respect her and tell her. Yeah. And listen, here's what's going to happen. One of two things. She's going to be like, oh, my gosh, me too. This is really cool. Or she's going to say, man, 
thank you for saying this. Yep. I just see you as a friend. And then that dude has to deal with that and go, cool, we're just friends. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if he's still having feelings for her, he don't need to be hanging out in her house either. Yep. So I think yep. there are some boundaries yeah. for sure because we're smart about it. But there's been so much talk about like, you can't hang out with the opposite sex yep. because then you'll just um, you'll next thing you know you'll be having sex and I'm like there's a lot of stages between that you know like <laughs> and I think there's a lot of boundaries and people who are following Jesus yeah. are gonna have some things in their life now we're talking about dating if we're talking about marriage I got a bunch of different ideas about yeah. that but just in dating yeah. um, I think the answer is it's very nuanced yeah. yes for yeah. sure you can be friends yeah. is she attracted to you maybe you don't need to text her as much yeah. so it's just like being smart about it and considerate of the other person when we're putting the other person's feelings mm-hmm. above our own everything changes so you're not going to drag someone along you're not going to like send them a text and be like i had so much fun with you can we hang out again but it is romantic and then you don't text them for 5 days yeah. Consideration. Totally. Consideration. Well, and, and I think this is where, again, that's why I love the scriptures because they give clarity, right? First Timothy 5, you treat people as brothers and sisters, right? First Timothy 5, 1 through 2, right? It's like you're supposed to treat people. So here's what that means. It doesn't mean I treat you like you're an object of temptation. I treat you like a person. I treat you like a sister or a brother, right? And so what I would say, too, is there's biblical imperatives where you're, okay, that's the command, right? And then there's wisdom to say, don't use rules to not do the hard work of introspection of your heart. And that's what people do. Hmm. I want to use rules to keep me from being honest. And so one of the things that I've heard over and over again, and I, I don't feel like women do it as much as men do this. I think men, there's this kind of common mentality of if you stay alone with a woman, there's always talk of like, don't be in a, lo- a room alone. Like, do you think she's that into you anyway? Like, I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think you even know how women work. I don't think that's how that's going to go down. So I do think use boundaries because they're for you, not for other people, right? I think we, we, we want to, put on them. I want to guard their heart. Not your job if you're dating. Your job is to guard yours. And you should, again, like you said, know yourself well enough to say, these boundaries are for me and my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. My weaknesses are this. And so I want to put it back. Because the reason you need boundaries is because you're not as godly as you think that you are. That's also why you need boundaries, right? Like, So boundaries are meant to be fences to say, hey, I'm not as godly as I... like." For instance, should you stay? And to, Satan is really, really tricky. right. And so, mm-hmm. should should you stay past ten o'clock? Is ten? What's the difference between ten o'clock and eleven o'clock? You're like, well, there is no. It's arbitrary at some level, but another level is for you to go. I've seen myself fail enough times at eleven forty-five. Just be like, you know what? I'll just call it at ten. Like, I mean, I think like you said this. I do think. I don't know. If this is just Austin. I do think we have a relationship with alcohol sometimes that I don't ever want to be legalistic and bar it, but I also think sometimes we're pretty thoughtless about how it affects us. Mm-hmm. Like we're just thoughtless about, hey, look at the patterns of your life and look at how often you're like, well, I wasn't, when you start saying things like, well, I wasn't drunk technically, you're like, you're already having to justify some things. And I don't see anything in the Christian life where Jesus is like, hey, the whole point of this is to do as little as possible and do whatever you want, basically. Yeah. There's no call to Jesus where he's like, yeah, just do the bare minimum, mm-hmm. and that's what we do as followers of Jesus. It should always be, I want to be vigilant. What I think becomes destructive is when your particular boundaries for your particular store and your particular become now boundaries for me. For that's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. and, and, and that's the problem. It's like, no, no, you can have boundaries. That's fine. But don't start judging other people who don't adhere to your boundaries because that's what Phariseeism is. It's not yeah. saying— Boundaries are bad. It's saying, no, boundaries are bad when you erect them for other people. I should erect boundaries for me, but hyper-spiritual folks want to say, well, my boundaries must be everybody's Mm -hmm. boundaries because that makes me feel more normal and not like I'm weak. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
whole point of boundaries is to say, I'm weak. Yeah. And be humble about that. So I think, especially for college students, and if you're a college student, listen to this. Sometimes you think you're helping people by erecting boundaries and telling them what they should do. Really what you're doing is creating new laws yep. for them to either feel frustrated by, and people will rebel even when they shouldn't. Even if it's wise and good godly boundaries, when you start like mandating them like you're in charge, people instinctively are like, well, now you know, you know what I really want to do? All the things you said I shouldn't. It's like my small Christian university who you had to be home at 10 and sign in. I was like, huh, well, I'll show like, you. Yeah, I'm for <laughs> sure until midnight. <laughs> I ain't coming home. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's so true. And I think like if you – and to bring friends in with that, not to mandate their boundaries on you, yeah. but for them to ask you thoughtful questions like, yes. okay, so what you're telling me is every time you hang out with this dude as friends, uh, you end up kissing him. Oh, you had a, a lot of martinis that <laughs> night? Maybe that's a – you know what I'm saying? Yes. Maybe when you're yes. with him, you need to be – Yes. Conscientious yes. of what am I doing with yes. myself yeah. or just things like that. Of I found myself. We just went took it too far because we were at the club till two. Yeah. I really just want to be like, ooh, amen to <laughs> everything that y'all have been saying. Y'all are spitting fire. I, I want to take it back a little bit and, and even go deeper on this idea of how there's toxic things about the Christian culture and how – the church at large has maybe talked about dating here in America that has hurt men and women along the way. Specifically, I want to talk about this idea that marriage and romantic relationships are the end-all, be-all to the Christian life. And it's not just the church that's pointing us in that direction or has historically pointed us in that direction, but uh, we also see things like Disney— I remember watching Disney movies growing up, uh, like Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast. Disney's thing for the longest time is like, all right, you have a princess who meets a prince. One of them changes because of that relationship. And at right. the end, you know, they get married, live there happily ever after. So it's not just the church that in some ways have pushed romantic relationships to be the end-all, be-all, and ultimate thing. But uh, the culture that we're in says that if you're not in a relationship that makes you happy or if you don't find your prince charming or your princess or if you're not in a situation that gives you your happy ending, then you need to move on and try to find something else. And specifically for my friends who struggle with same-sex attraction, like they are not attracted to the opposite sex— This has been so hard for them. This is the reason why I know many of them have left churches because there's not a space for them. There's not a space for them to just to be friends uh, with people, to share their stories, because what we've created is kind of this culture that ultimately glorifies Mm -hmm. over all the things man and woman in marriage together. Tyler, as a pastor— how do you talk to the people listening who may struggle with same-sex attraction and either offer them encouragement yeah. or just some type of shepherding on how they yeah. usually feel in church settings? Yeah. I'll start with why I think everyone idolizes marriage. The reason everyone, there's something about marriage that makes me feel less or more because all of history does end in a marriage, but it ends in a marriage between Jesus and his church. So this idea of marriage where you're meant to be in a covenant relationship that never ends, where you're known completely and fully without shame or guilt, and there's intimacy like you've never known and joy like you've never known, 
that actually is meant to be a pointer to what actually history is going to end in. It's going to end in the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the reason human beings are drawn to it is not because human marriage is the end. It's because marriage with Jesus is the end for his church. And, and that's Revelation 19. It literally ends in God the Father throwing a party for Jesus and his bride. Mm-hmm. And we get to be around a table where we get to tell stories of how great Jesus is and how much he's loved us, and we get to be one with him forever. Mm-hmm. So the reason everyone is having to wrestle with marriage is because we're all downstream of the great marriage that's coming. And so that's what marriages are meant to reflect, right? And so for people who experience same-sex attraction, I think when you don't have a vision and the goodness of singleness, then you don't actually have a life for them to live that is full and is meaningful because if you need relationships of romantic relationships and you need sex to be happy, then Jesus and Paul must have been the most miserable human mm. beings who ever lived. Um, and yet I know Jesus is the happiest person who's ever lived. Yep. He's the fullest person who ever lived. And so what that tells me is actual sexual expression is not actually necessary for human fulfillment because Jesus actually is the expression of human fulfillment. Now, it's easy to say that as a married person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've talked to enough people who experience same-sex attraction to know, yeah, but you're married. You know, you can you can, you can say that, and almost it feels disingenuous. Yeah. And that's why I'm really thankful for prominent leaders who are experiencing same-sex attraction and are practicing celibacy yeah. and showing off the fullness of Jesus mm-hmm. in that way. Because in the same way, marriage is a unique expression of Jesus and His church. Singleness is a unique expression of the fullness that that God brings him and him alone. And so singles have this unique opportunity to show off to everybody. God has a fullness and a joy in him that no one else can give. I also think one of the things that's important to say for people who are single or called to singleness is to know even though everyone has different crosses they have to bear, they're not all the same. And singleness is a unique weight to it. And I don't, and I think it's, again, disingenuous to talk to people who are in singleness to go, it's just the same as marriage, just Mm -hmm. different. It's not because they're one of the things that I've noticed for people who have been called to singleness. I think the unique challenge is, or if in marriage, if if the the unique challenge is, I have to keep loving the same person again and again and again through all the difficulties, and, and, and there's no changing up circumstances or environment to do that. For singles, there is that that deep sense of loneliness that comes when you realize. Through every life transition you go through, you can't guarantee that people will be there with you. That's the scariness of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's unfair to not honor that as that's a real f- – I totally understand that. Because when I go – if I move, I know Lauren will go with me. If I have a job change, Lauren will still be with me. If I get super sick, like there's a covenant there. Whereas when you're single, that fear is no one's going to be there for me through all those life transitions, right? And I think that's a unique cross to bear. And if the church doesn't honor that – and the church doesn't recognize mm-hmm. that's unique, um, particularly for same-sex attractive people who have all of these desires and feelings that they can never express. Because again, I have s- sexual dysfunction too like anybody else, but also there is an outlet for me in marriage, mm-hmm. right? There's a uniqueness to that. So there's that, but also I think that's the unique thing they get to show off is they get to show off that Jesus genuinely is more satisfying. Some married people need to learn from some single people yeah, on how to actually value friendship, 100%. Yeah. right? Because I think we always view it as married people teach single people. Mm-mm. There's no Bible verse yeah. for that, right? Yeah. It's no, the church learns from the church. Mm-hmm. And there are, I know there are men and women who are single at downtown who I love listening to. Yeah. I love their perspective. I yeah. love what they're, because they're getting to serve in ways and have experiences that I don't have. Yeah. And the church is meant to benefit from the manifold mm-hmm. wisdom of God that's expressing through all of everyone's yeah. different stories. Yeah. And so I, I, 
I, I would love for single people to feel more called into leadership and called into actual serving and leadership roles at our church because they have a unique expression of yeah. what it means yeah. to follow Jesus. Which even just to say on that, like of how, you know, talking about idolizing marriage is like we have so much that we can learn mm-hmm. from our single friends, especially those who are same-sex attracted yeah. because they, like you said, they are having to die to something Every single day, yep. we all do. That's that's the true story. We all unique. have to die, but that's a unique yep. death that they have to get that they have to die to every single day. Be completely fulfilled through Jesus. Which, listen, some people get into a marriage and they're not completely filled by Jesus either because they think that other yep. person is going to do that. And so, married people can learn what does it look like What's every day to rely on Jesus and so Jesus good, alone Jamie. to fulfill me, because we can kind of like like ease through life and be like. I don't need Jesus that much. Like, I got Aaron. He's nice and kind, and we yep. hang out. We're fun. Like, you know, he pays the bills. Yeah. And so life is good. He even yeah. makes dinner, guys. So, like, what are— Well, he makes great dinner, He makes too. great dinner. Wow. Married people can get so complacent yep. in that death to sin mm-hmm. because it doesn't look the same, and it doesn't feel different. Yeah. But anyone that is married that's walking with Jesus can tell you that there's only so much that another person can do to fulfill your heart and soul that that has to be filled by Jesus. Yeah. Because, again— you're in a marriage, 25, 30 years. It's not the same as that first year. That yep. first life gets hard. Life is very, very difficult. Yep. Um, and so I think one of the ways that the church, and, and I, I'm so proud of our downtown campus. That's the one I go to, so I don't know what other church campuses are like. <laughs> Someone asked the other day, how many campuses we have? I was like, I don't know, a few. <laughs> um, but I'm so proud of our downtown campus because it is full of so many younger people, and it's so fun for Aaron and I mm-hmm. to see that and be around. But just the people that are in leadership, I mean, I think of someone in particular who has same-sex attracted, and, and he's in leadership, and he's leading. Yeah. And I'm just like, that makes me so excited because no one in our church is saying, you're disqualified, A, because you're single, or because you are same-sex Come attracted. On. No. Yeah. This is the qual. I don't work here, so you can fill me in. Here's a here's a number of qualification. Love Jesus, right? Right, right. Okay, right. so there we go. Yeah, that's so good, Tyler. What do I do if if I find myself idolizing romantic relationships? I can't get off my brain. I think about all the what ifs. Like, what if I end up single? What if I do this? What if I do that? What 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 are some practical things that this person can do? Pastor, <laughs> I would say. First and foremost, if you are obsessing over them in an unhealthy way, you would need to go to God in prayer and repent of your sin and believe the gospel for you. That's all. That's what Christians do every time I have any part of my life. I don't want to make Christianity so formulaic where you take out the interacting with Jesus piece. I have to go to him, mm-hmm. and there's a process of repentance where you say to God, God, I'm obsessing over relationships because I'm so scared of whatever it is. I'm scared of being alone. I'm scared of not being, like for me, when I was a little boy, my biggest fear is not being wanted. That's if we're just going to get super honest about who we are as people, that's my deepest fear is that I wouldn't be wanted. So relationships became the opportunity for me to feel wanted. And so if you don't know why you're obsessing over something, then you can't actually go to God and confess what's really going inside of you. If you don't go to God and confess, you won't get the healing he offers, right? So you have to go, why am I obsessing over relationships? And for me, it was, if a woman doesn't want me, then I'm not valuable. So I need to go to God and say, God, I don't feel wanted by you, by anybody. And I have to admit, I'm wrong for that. Because God has said, I saw you before the foundations of the world and I chose you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I've planned out your whole life for you. I'm wanted by God. 
And I have to say, to be really honest, God, that's not enough for me right now. Because yeah. Yeah. If, if it was, I wouldn't obsess over this as much as I do. Yeah. And then when you go to God and you confess what it is, he meets you with, and guess what? I love you. Mm-hmm. Jesus paid for all of those things. He died for me. He never obsessed over relationships. He always trusted God, and yet he died for me who obsesses over relationships. And there is a Holy Spirit thing where the Holy Spirit provides refreshment when you repent. So I, I think it, it is, end of the day, repentance and faith. And then that's what makes the commands of Jesus feel more uh, accessible. You're like, oh, because mm-hmm. I, I can follow him because he loves me. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel loved by Jesus, it's hard to follow after him. Yeah. I think also I, I like to think about what am I inputting? Like what's the input in my life right now? Because obsessing over, you know, wanting a relationship, obsessing over anything, it could be like, now that you're married, you're obsessing over when are we going to have kids? Or mm-hmm. now that you have kids, you're obsessing over what is their life going to look like? Or when you're married, you're obsessing over why is my husband a, a jerk and he's awesome, you know? So like this obsessive over wanting a relationship for a single person, I would ask the girl, like, what is your input? Like, you know, we talk about social media. I like to talk about social media a lot. I love mm-hmm. social media. It's like so much a part of my business and my life. But also, it can be really destructive to someone's heart when you're right. obsessing over something and you look and you see this social media reel of of perfect and everyone has what you think you need and want. Yeah. And so then how do you fight an obsession when you're constantly inputting what's causing you to be obsessed? So good. You know, and another thing, this is, again, this is not a, a standard. Like, like we said, you can't take my boundaries and put on someone else. But I think also like just inputting like – and again, I, I don't want to sound like an old grandma here, but like with, with with TV and movies and songs. And I'm not saying you can only watch like PG movies because that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying is if you're obsessing over relationships and you find yourself continually binge watching TV shows where it's all about someone finding their love or it's all about yeah. relationships or it's all about an awesome guy completing a, a girl who was so needy and then this guy came in and just you know filled up her love tank and now she's mm-hmm. she's so happy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for you to fight that sin and that obsession when you don't take some things out of your life. That's so so good. going to God and confessing and repenting and asking the Holy Spirit to help you. Like, hello, we have the Holy Spirit for a reason. Yeah. Like, let's 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 use him. Yeah. Asking the Holy Spirit to help you. But then also there's some practical things of I got to take some things away because mm-hmm. if I'm obsessing over this, I got to I got to take this out of my life. And yeah. I think that a lot of young people think that's like, oh, that's so Legalistic. legalistic. Yeah. It's so legalistic. Well, listen, here's where, I, here's where I stand on. Is that so legalistic? Do you want to obsess or do you not? Mm-hmm. Like, I, yep. I, don't understand what yep. the, I don't understand what the question is. Like, yep. does Instagram cause you to stumble? It's not legalism. Mm-hmm. It's called, like, I'm going to fight for my soul. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. I'm going to fight for my yeah. soul. Yeah, I mean, the, the gospel is not opposed to boundaries. No. There's a whole there's, – if you read the scriptures, the gospel is not opposed to boundaries. It's opposed to legalism where yep. you make your identity off those things. But also there's nothing about the gospel that say – Oh, yeah, there's no sacrifice anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think to what you were saying, Jamie, is so good to to recognize, again, you're limited. You cannot take in any and every bit of content and think you're unaffected by yeah. it. Yeah. And it makes me think of this analogy, but it's like you're running after Jesus and all these people are running after Jesus with you. And then you look to your left and you look to your right and you see who's right there. Oh, Oh my gosh, that that should be my person. It makes me think of what the scriptures actually have to say about running after Jesus and what the focus is. It, it's in Hebrews 12 too, actually, that we look to Jesus, that we run and we look to Jesus. And then as we look to Jesus, the first verse says that we throw off everything that hinders and it's sin that so easily entangles. So it's 
actually saying, I'm going to throw these things off, not for the sake of legalism, but to run after Jesus faster. And Jamie, that's what I love about what you said about things like social media and the shows that we watch. It's not legalism. It's for the ultimate goal of loving Jesus for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not because you're here. I've been thinking so much about the sermon you preached two weeks ago about hunger and thirsting for righteousness. Mm -hmm. And I just found myself thinking, man, do I hunger and thirst for righteousness more than anything else in my life? Mm -hmm. And I think as followers of Jesus, we have to continually reevaluate. And what are my motives? What do I want in this world more than I want Jesus? And I I mean, just having to reevaluate, man, what are the things I'm desiring in my life more than I'm desiring righteousness? Mm -hmm. And that's the conversation we're having right now is like, man, am I desiring the one? Am I desiring sexual intimacy? Am I desiring pornography? Am I desiring marriage more than I'm desiring righteousness? That's when you see like, okay, well, what are some steps we need to do to work through this? Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I mean— Boundaries facilitate desires. They don't create them or kill them, but they facilitate them. I, again, I love the Bible because it helps people be holistic in saying you can't manufacture desire, but you absolutely can facilitate it with how you live your life. Again, for our young students, I would love to reinstill radical faith in people yeah. where they don't settle for what the world around them yeah. wants. Mm-hmm. And when honestly, when I was in college, there were a lot of calls to the church to be like zealous and radical. And now I feel like the calls to the church are just hang in there. Mm. Just like make it <laughs> because mm-hmm. everything feels against us. And it's because we have less social power than we did 15 years ago. And so when the church gets to the fringes is actually when the church gets the most compelling it's supposed to be. And so I, I think, again, I want people to go. I don't want to have boundary talk for the sake of boundaries. I want to be like, how do I get to be used by God yeah. to change this world to see yeah. how great he is? I want to say one more thing about the person obsessing over marriage. Yeah. Is the problem with that also, besides the, like, you're putting things before Jesus, that you are not seeking right. righteousness and right. you're obsessing. The problem with that also is just like everything else we've said, marriage is not going to solve that problem of discontentment. Because really what that Mm -hmm. is, that obsession over marriage is really, I'm discontent in the life that God has put me in. And so we've said it a thousand times, marriage won't solve that. So say you get married, you're obsessing over, I need a relationship. So then you get married and then you find out, wow, this person is mean to me sometimes. And he said this thing to me that really hurt my feelings. And he works all the time. And oh my gosh, we don't see eye to eye on this. And all of a sudden you're thinking, He was what I was banking my whole life on, Mm. that if I could have that, then I would be content and happy and satisfied. And you quickly find out that he can't do that. And so my encouragement to young people who are listening is what we're saying, Tyler, and I feel like we're like old people here, but what we're saying is like, this is so important to work on now. Oh my gosh. This is so important to work on now because trying to work through that in a covenant marriage is so extremely difficult. And like, guys, just to speak to you, what a girl really wants is for you to be working on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like she wants someone who is like hungering and thirsting for righteousness more than than you. Like more than that sexual temptation, more than that commitment, more than mm-hmm. that relationship. Like really that's what a girl wants, you mm-hmm. know, and a guy would probably want the same thing from a girl as well. And so don't think I'll work on this later. Yeah. Don't think I'll hunger and thirst for righteousness in marriage because it'll be easier then. Mm-hmm. No, it's the same struggles. You bring them into your marriage. So work on them now. Wow, Jamie. That was so good. And yeah, this conversation is already making me think about all the other questions I want to ask you. As we close out, do you have any final words for the listeners of The Green Room? 
I want to encourage you so much to, like we've said before, marriage, we're not making marriage out to be bad. But I want more than anything, I can say now, living four decades, following Jesus for 21 years now, is I can say at the end of the day, I want to be more like Jesus than I want to be happy and satisfied in my marriage. That's going to happen because Aaron and I are both striving for that. So I want to encourage the young people that are listening to this is that that matters more. It really matters more because um, marriage is beautiful. It's like we said, God has gifted it to some people, and we don't know why or how or why why me. I don't know. But I do know that within that marriage, my main focus still has to be how do I continually fight for my own heart and soul to be more sanctified, to look more like Jesus. But don't neglect that in your 20s because that is going to carry over into your 30s and 40s and 50s. Preach. Come on. Yeah, Jamie in here preaching. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Jamie. Guys, thank you for listening to The Green Room, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you for being our guest in The Green Room. Remember, if you want more vulnerable conversations, then share, like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at college underscore Austin Stone. See you next time.